Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wally, Texas. Let's go on in and see what Charlie Mullen has to teach us today. All right. Praise God. Y'all may be seated. Let's go to Psalm 56. I'm going to tell y'all before we do this about my little victory this week. You know, Workman's Comp called me and told me that if I could preach, then I could go back to work, right? So I went and took my uh, maximum medical the other day. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I did very good. My wife said she didn't feel like I did very good. Well, when I got my letter back in there, it had all kinds of notes about all the recordings that they'd been watching of me preaching, so like 10 different dates where I had been preaching. And what they told me before is if I didn't want to preach, then I would keep my benefits. And that's not negotiable. If you want to take my money, take my money, but I'm not going to stop doing what God has called me to do. And it said on there, that I didn't portray any of what am I going to say the symptoms that the doc, that the other doctor described I didn't display those while I was preaching so if I don't have those problems while I'm preaching I'm able to walk back and forth without getting dizzy spells and I'm able to do stuff like this but I do it when I'm not preaching what's that tell me that I need to do I need to preach 24-7, and I won't have any more of these problems. Because when I'm up here, it's not about me and my physical ailments. It's about me and my spiritual connection with God. And I promise you there's a scripture coming in here somewhere, but God's got me wound up. He's had me fired up since I got it back. And I called the lady and I asked her, I said, so what am I supposed to do? My doctor says I can't work, but y'all give me my disability rating is a zero. Yeah, because I can preach for 30 minutes a week. That means I can go to work for 50, 60 hours a week. And that's what we're going to do because my doctor said I couldn't work. And they told me that after I got my MMI, that was locked in. But God told me, you go see the doctor. I walked in and I told the doctor what was going on. And he said, man, that don't sound very good. And I said, no, it's not. I said, let's get cleared to go to work. And he said, okay. He said, I still don't want you driving a truck, but I'm going to put on here that you can go back to work. So guess where Charlie's going in the morning? Well, we're going to go have a meeting. I need you all to pray. I'm going to have a meeting with my boss that he'll let me go back up there and do something besides driving. But little did I know, then I get a letter from the DOT saying that DOT cards are good till the 31st, but I missed it by like 30 days because mine expired before the pandemic. So we'll see what's going on. But Hopefully, Tuesday morning, I'm going back to work for the first time in almost a year. Y'all keep me in your prayers because uh, I'm a little nervous. I don't even know if I can wake up that early in the morning anymore. Shut up, woman. So is everybody at Psalm 56? I don't preach out of the Psalms very much. What? 56. 5, 6. Be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me all day long. They press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. Sound like a bad day, don't it? All day long you're being attacked. All day long in their pride they're attacking you. How many people in here feel like we're getting attacked all day long? If you don't think you are right now, turn on the news. Get on your Facebook. 
I used to, I griped a couple of weeks ago because I got kicked off of Facebook for life. But you know what? I don't miss it a bit. I hear my wife griping about stuff on Facebook, and I'm like, I'm glad that's one less thing in my life I got to get fired up about. So Jr. preached a little bit this morning on trusting in God. And I promise you, me and Jr. don't talk about sermons, but he got all off in my sermon this morning. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps. This thing's right in my life here. Eager to take my life. On no account letting th- let them escape. In your anger, O oh God, bring down the nations. Record my lament. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What man can what can man do to me? I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thanks my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. When does it say we're supposed to praise God? Even when we're afraid. What does it mean in the Bible when it tells you something more than once? It's pretty important. You better start paying attention to it. So it says, when I am afraid, I trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? By this I know, and God is for me, in God whose word I praise. It says it over and over and over again. No matter what is going on in your life, what should be the first thing you do every day when you get up? Why? A lot of people, and I've said it before, a lot of people do not realize that there is a miracle at the beginning of every day. You take your first conscious breath. Every breath you take is a miracle. Because God sets you up to live in a place where really technically we shouldn't be able to live. It's only by a couple of degrees in any direction. If God had done it any other way, we wouldn't be able to survive here. But we all climbed out of slime, right? Yeah. We all crawled out of a lake, shed our fins, shed our tails, quit eating bananas, I don't believe that because my God tells me that the reason I was created was not so some scientists could study how I was created, but I was created to walk with God every day of my life. And here's the good part, guys. This is what we don't realize. Did Adam ascend into heaven to go commune with God every day? God presented himself to Adam every evening in the cool of the day to walk side by side with him and talk with him. So how heavenly do you have to be for God to come down to you and talk to you? 
He knows you're going to have issues. He knows you're going to have problems. He knows you're going to stumble. Because if not, the Bible wouldn't say we all fall short of the glory of God. But what it doesn't say is we all fall out of favor of the glory of God. Falling short means you strived and didn't quite make it. We all fall short of the glory of God is not an excuse for you to go out and act like the world because, man, a preacher said we all fall short of the glory of God. So I guess maybe nine shots of Jameson tonight's a pretty good idea. I can just tell God, look, I'm sorry I fell short. I don't think it works like that because I think it says somewhere in here, I am under vows to you, O God. My wife looked at me funny because I told her, I said, I'll never cheat on you. I'll never leave you, and I'll never act like an idiot. Well, I'm not going to say I won't ever act like an idiot around her because sometimes I act like an idiot around her. But here's the thing. The vows that I made to my wife the day that I stood up here in front of this church weren't just to my wife and weren't just in front of my church family, but I made a vow to God that I would take this woman unto me and I would spend the rest of my living days with her. So for me to act unaccordingly as a married man should would not only break the vow that I made in my flesh to my wife, it would break the vow I made in my spirit at the front of my church to my God. And I don't know if y'all read what it said a while ago, the wrath that was poured out on Sodom. Think about the wrath, because they broke a vow to God. What's it going to be like for me when I break my vow to God? And that's what I don't think people are realizing. He said vows to me. No, he said vows to God is the reason why you should be upset with him. People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. And everybody says, well, God's disappointed me sometimes too. God's never going to disappoint you because here's the thing. God will always give you what you need. It may not be what you want but it'll always be what you need. I didn't want a wife who could whoop my butt, but God gave me one because I needed one. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> Hush back there, would you? I didn't want to be a preacher, but God said I needed to be a preacher. See, because let me tell you something. I'm not up here all the time for your benefit. My walk with Christ has to be what it is for my benefit. Because if I want to do a good job in my church and I want to be a leader in this church and I want to present a good message to you on Sunday night, where does my walk with Christ have to be? I can't walk in this room with a Bible in my hand and whiskey on my breath. Because it's going to be kind of hard for me to tell you not to go out and get drunk when I'm two sheets. It's not going to be fair for me. Actually, it's illegal in the eyes of God for me to have an extramarital affair and then tell you you shouldn't cheat on your wife. It's illegal for me to break my vow to God in any circumstances and then go to him for prayer and ask him to better my life. I've made a vow to my God. I've made a vow to my wife. I've made a vow to my children. I've made a vow to my church family that I will do everything I can to walk as Jesus did or get as close to as I can. 
I had a lady ask me the other day, she wasn't understanding the whole God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit thing. God had to prove to us that flesh could walk in a godly manner. Jesus was flesh and bone, just like we are. The difference between Jesus and us is he didn't pay attention to what was going on around him in the world. He put his eyes straight on God and stayed there. No matter what happened to him, no matter how many people were coming after him, no matter how much they beat him, no matter how much they whipped him, no matter how many crowns of thorns they would have shoved on his head, his eyes never left the Father. Because a normal human being usually would have died halfway through that lashing they gave him. And they sure wouldn't have lasted through that and being crucified the way it was. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the way a crucifixion works, but it's pretty horrid stuff. You have nails driven through your feet and your hands, and it puts your body in a, in a position where it crushes your lungs. And the only way that you can breathe is to push up on those nail wounds and take a breath. And when you collapse again, it crushes your lungs again, and it pulls back on the wound. It's a pretty horrible way to die. You're basically sitting up there suffocating. The thing that I like the best about it is he crawled up on that cross. He willingly went to the cross so that me and you could actually have a chance to be one-on-one -on -one with the Father. What people forget, what happened when he died on that cross. The earthquake split the temple, but it split the veil right in half. The veil was there to separate common man from God and the high priest that was the only one allowed to go communicate with God. When God split that curtain down the middle, he said, you no longer have to depend on another human being to have a relationship with me. So where is your excuse for not walking with me every day? Just because your priest happened to be out at lunch, you didn't get a chance to talk to me? You guys want to learn how to pray, come ride with these guys. That'll work on your prayer life. 100 mile an hour, six inches apart. Woo, love it. But you will learn how to pray. Brakes, please, God, work. God, please take the anti-locks off this new Harley. The things that go on in your life that you don't necessarily want to happen might be teaching you how to pray. Did you ever think about that? My prayer life might not be good enough, therefore I'm going to have to go through some things. Because how many people in here played ball in school? I don't care what kind of ball it was, volleyball, basketball, baseball. When you weren't good enough, what did you have to do? You had to work harder in practice. You had to go through more turmoil. You had to go through more torture than what the rest of the people did so you could come up to par. So if your prayer life is subpar, expect to build through some things to exercise your prayer muscle where it brings it up to where God expects it to be. Because the day that you walked up here, and laid everything down at the cross and told Christ that you would live for him and told God you would do your best walk daily to be just like him, that was a vow you made to God. 
and he expects you to work at it every single day. Well, you just don't know what I've been through today, man. I don't really think God would even blame me if I did this. Yes, he did, because you think he don't have a bad day? You think about the fact that this is a small room of people, but you think about the prayers that got sent up to him today over empty wells. He's up to, guys, God is up there planning the wedding of a lifetime when Jesus finally marries his church. Anybody ever tried to plan a vacation or something like that, and you got your kids going, Mama, 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 Daddy, 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 Mama, Daddy, when are we going? When are we going? What are we doing? I need new shoes before we go on vacation. I need new pants before we go on vacation. It's kind of hard to get anything done, right? So how do you think he feels when we're worried about an electric bill that if we hadn't gone out to eat nine times this month, we'd have the money to pay, but yet we're going to go to God. We're not going to ask for forgiveness for every time we cussed the electric bill this month. We're not going to ask for forgiveness for every time we didn't. We weren't obedient to what God said go do, but we're going to go pray that somebody somehow, some way, will give us the money to pay this electric bill. That's illegal, folks. You have to live it before you can get it. And if you don't get it, come see me. Because I'm learning. You don't know how long I told JR whenever he said, man, we're going to put you up there because I feel like God's calling you to preach too. And I said, as long as it's preaching. He said, no, pastor, preacher, not pastor. Preacher, not pastor. Preacher, not pastor. Preacher, not pastor. There's a difference. See, if I stay a preacher, I get to stand up here and tell you what I feel like God is telling me, and I get to watch you react, and then when I get done, I get to clock out and go home, and you're his problem. You been tell you how God solves that? I can't get a hold of Jr. JR, so and so, man, my phone ain't ringing. Well, never mind, brother. I got it handled, man. We'll go over and do this. For six months, all of a sudden, people started having issues with JR's phone. God said, You want to be a preacher, not a pastor? Hang on, man. Let me put you right in the lane that I want you in. You don't want to deal with people's problems. You don't want to know what everybody else is going through, and you think you're the only one who's going on the thing? Here, brother, hang on a second. We're going to take you out of this chair and put you in this chair. We're going to take this hat off your head, and we're going to put this hat on your head, and we're going to see how you like it. And now you know what I learned? I learned I actually care about people. I learned I actually love other people. You know what I learned? It's actually kind of fun. And I also learned that when I'm doing what God told me to do, he mentioned Jonah in the the fish's belly. I don't want to be in no fish's belly. Because trust me, God will put you in the fish's belly. It smells in there. Don't go there. I've been there. Because I have tried to do this and still run in a world that I didn't belong in. And God said, you know what? All of your family has diabetes. And I've been trying to get you to slow down for a year or so now, and you're not going to slow down, so hang on a second. Here's a little coma for you. Go figure that out, big boy. And he showed me about that much of what it would look like to be separated from my God. Because the only thing I can remember about being in a diabetic coma for four days was the fact that my brothers and my wife took pictures of me while I was dead. You have them on your phone. 
My aunt the other day said, hey, it's been like a year since you died. Hang on a second. And she starts sending me pictures. We wanted pictures of your little yellow jumpsuit thing you were wearing with the little duckies on them. I said, never mind the fact that the machine behind me has a flat line on it. But here's the thing. When I was in there, I was trying to pray, and I couldn't find my God. My brain wouldn't focus on God long enough because it was so filled up with acid and everything that was going on. That's what diabetic ketoacidosis is. It turns your blood to acid, and it messes with your brain. I couldn't find my God. And when I woke up, I was scared to death. I thought I died and gone to hell. I was scared to death. I was literally fighting not only for my physical life, but for my spiritual life. And when I woke up, I never stopped fighting for it. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you've never been separated from God when you wanted to be with God, I don't want nothing to do with hell. Yet, you know what? I take that back. I want to have something to do with hell. Because I want to tell you something. You hear preacher teams and everything else talking about wanting this great, big, fancy white church on a hill with a big bell above it, and you can see all the little town around there. You know, you can see it in the movies and in the book pictures and stuff. And the guys out there ringing the bell, and all the little people are going up there. Me and JR don't want a church that nice. We want a little shack set about six feet from the gates of hell where the battle really takes place, and we can snatch saints right out of the devil's hands and bring them back to where they belong. Because this is not a museum for 60-year-old Christians. This is a hospital for broken and abused and addicted and molested people. And that's what church is supposed to be. Somebody asked me the other day, man, I don't have a whole lot of nice clothes. What is it that I'm supposed to wear to church? I said, man, well, this is what I preach in. And if you dress nicer than me, then, you know, you're doing really good. But if you happen to be sitting next to the lady who wears footy pajamas, you know, you might, you know, you can pretty much wear what you want to. Just make sure you get your flip-flops out of the floor before you leave. I had a guy one time ask me if he could bring his bottle of Jim Beam in here with him. I said, bring it in here with you if that's what it takes to get you in the door. But I'm going to give you money if you're willing to walk out of here with it. Because if you'll do what God tells you to do while you're here, you'll leave it right down here at the foot of this cross, and God will take it from you. Because I don't have a God who believes in eventualities. I serve a God who believes in suddenlies. When Jesus healed the blind man, he healed him right then. When Jesus healed the lame man, he healed him right then. When the lepers got healed, they were healed. It wasn't that they had to go to therapy. It wasn't that they had to go learn how to walk again. It wasn't the fact that they had to go get contacts. They got up and he said, take up your mat and sin no more. That's the part that we all forget. We lay it down at the feet of Jesus, and the biggest sin we forget about is the one where we walk back and say, God, I know I gave you this to you, but it was kind of fun while I was doing it. I'm going to carry it around with me. Anybody ever reach in the toilet after they go? Same thing. You have expelled that trash out of your body and out of your life. And when you go back to that world, you might as well be reaching in the toilet and playing with what you've expelled out of your body because it amounts to about the same thing in your life. You choose to go back. I don't care how you got there. I don't care what brought you to that point. 
My whole point is, is after you come here and you get up here at these altars and you lay it down at God's feet, you make a vow to him to never pick it back up. So are you a thief? Because if I give you something, if I give you a brand new house to live in, and then I, a year later I come walking back in it and go in the bedroom and go to sleep, is that legal? It don't belong to me anymore. I gave it to you. So when you actually give something to God, folks, that means you can't pick it up and play with it and use it as an excuse for bad behavior today. I know some people in here have had some hard lives. I know some people in here have been abused when they were kids. I know some people in here that have been addicted. I know some people in here that have been alcoholics. I know some that have been drug addicts. I know some that have been pimps. I know some that have been murderers. I know some that have been thieves. But here's the point. You aren't that anymore. My wife says, don't look for me in my past. That's not where I live. But here's the thing. Why do we keep wanting to move back in that neighborhood? We want to go back to all that stuff, and we want to lean on all that stuff. My Uncle Beanie abused me when I was a child is the reason why I cheat on my husband or I cheat on my wife today. No, it's not. Give it to God and stop using it as an excuse to be a heathen. Stop using it as an excuse to live for your flesh and learn how it says that you will be reborn, that you have to die under Christ just like he did which means you die a fleshly death and are reborn as a spiritual being who has just the same connection that Christ did with God. Your shadow, folks, can actually heal the sick if you'll get that trash out of your life. And the one thing that we got that the apostles and the disciples didn't have back then, we got their cliff notes. How would you like to have been Paul? Paul didn't have this in his pocket. When somebody wrote Paul a letter asking for his advice, he actually had, oh, and see, here's the thing. I'm going to say this to the preachers out there. Preachers back then actually had to go to God to figure out what they were going to say. When Paul answered a question for somebody, he had to go to God and get the words. We get to Cliff's notes. We get to cheat. We get to look up what Paul said, and you really honestly don't have to pray. You can look up a scripture. You can look online and say, what do I do about infidelity in another man's life and according to the Bible? And it'll give you 25 verses. And all you have to do is forward those verses. It's actually pretty easy nowadays with the Internet. Try doing it without the Internet. Try doing it with GodNet. Godnet is where you cast God over the top of everything and then reel it back in and see what's in there. God needs to be a part. Guys, when you go to the grocery store, God needs to put the part out of whether or not you pick up Brian or Oscar Meyer. It's that easy. Which paper towel is better? That's not a bad prayer for God. God likes it when you're in, he's involved in your life in every aspect. Anybody in here have an overbearing mama? Want to know everything you're doing? You had not called me in three hours. I guess you're still alive. That's what God wants. 
God wants you to call him every 30 minutes. God wants you to bug him. God wants you to have a communication with him. God wants you to have a relationship with him. And I'm going to tell you something. Guys, how many of y'all had that crazy girlfriend? Uh-huh. Oh, I'm, I'm just... I'm. Girls, y'all had that crazy boyfriend that just won't go away, keys your car, jacks with you, brings you trouble. Guess what? We serve a jealous God. And when you start putting things in front of him and start leaving him on the back burner, he's going to start harassing you. He's going to start sending you 25 text messages a day wanting to know why you don't call more often. He's going to start showing up places. He's going to start showing up talking to your mama. He's going to show up and start talking to whatever it is that you're trying to get involved with now. So the easiest way to get around all that is put God first. Make God not be like them and say, how come you never take me anywhere? God wants to go everywhere with you. We've all been there. You meet that certain somebody. You go on that first date. It's great. And you can't wait to get home so you can sit out on the couch and call them. It's that first love. That's what Christian people have done. We have forgotten what that first love with Christ feels like. If you're, if you're an ex-addict, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm still tracing that, chasing that God dragon. It's that first high that I'm looking for. Because there is no high like the most high. I have never been so goofy in my entire life as when the Holy Spirit lays his hand on me and whispers in my ear, where is your joy? How many, how many of y'all have ever sat down and actually prayed for joy? I know you have because me and you have been in the same room. You want to watch a couple of guys giggle until their teeth almost fall out. Sorry, Eyes water, nose run, sweat run off of us. You ought to see me and Jr. try to outpray each other for joy. We used to have a 2:45 prayer time at Earl Owen on Wednesday afternoons, and our old boss in there, Trey Owen, he used to like to lay his hand on you and say, "Joy, God, light a fire, joy, joy," and it, you just start giggling. It was like watching a bunch of stoners standing around in the same room and somebody cut one. You couldn't stop giggling. And that's the most fun I've ever had with Jr. That besides going to Walmart around Christmas time. I used to hate Christmas, and Jr. taught me into going up there and telling people how much we love them and that God loves them and hugging on people and loving on people. And I finally started liking Christmas again. Have you ever thought about actually sitting down and say, God, I want to know what joy feels like? Let me tell you how to start. Take this right here. Throw it over there. Get off your Facebook. For God's sake, turn the TV off. I have a smart TV, so CNN is an app that got deleted. Don't watch the news. Don't read the paper. Don't get on Facebook. Don't get, on God's sake, don't get on Twitter. Lay all that worldly stuff down. Pick up the Word of God and start a conversation with God. And ask him, God, I want to know where the joy in this world went. And if there's still some out there, I want you to dump it on me like a dump truck. And I want to see what the next couple of hours of your life are like. 
Pray for joy and see what happens. Pray for healing and see what happens. Pray for salvation of this country and this world and see what happens. See, the problem is, is we have a tendency to say, God, save this world, but do it according to my political beliefs. And if that ain't my political beliefs, then God, what are you doing? Let me tell you something. There's a big white house up in Yankee land. They call it the White House. And in that White House is a big chair behind a big desk. And people like to fight and shoot at each other and burn things down and gripe and complain and split families down the middle about who it is that is sitting in that chair. Can I tell you this, God's people? It doesn't matter who is sitting in that chair as long as God is still sitting in his. I don't care who is in the flesh telling me what to do. My God is the one that I get my marching orders from. And I suggest you do the same because I got a feeling that in a couple of weeks we're going to find out that the next four years aren't going to be all that fun. Or they could be if we would learn to pray for joy. God, satisfy my soul. Let's forget about my flesh for a little while. Let's forget about the fact that I'm not driving a new car. Let's forget about the fact that I'm not living in a brand new house. Let's forget about the fact that I didn't get the iPhone 12. Which, if you haven't put your orders in, guys, go ahead and put your orders in. You can pre-order them now. I heard that today. $1,000 on a phone. I'm trying to find a way to get rid of mine. I only paid $79 for the thing. I'm not going to get anything else for it. Unplug. Because God don't need the internet to get to you. Unplug. Because God don't need a news channel to get to you. And you sure don't have to go out and riot to get his attention. And you sure don't have to go out and march to get his attention. And you sure don't have to go out and burn things down or shoot at other people to get his attention. You'll get his attention. But anybody ever said that, you know, my kid is messing up just because he wants attention? If I did that and my mama said, I think, but Dad, I think he's just doing that to get attention. My dad used to say he's not going to like the attention he's going to get. I would rather my God look down at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, than I would him look down and say, what are you doing now? Do we have to go back to the coma? Because we will. Stop letting your flesh, stop letting your past, stop letting the world rule what your spirit has to offer God. Let God work on you. I don't care how you voted. I don't care how many times you voted. My dad, my stepdad's dead, and he voted four times this year. It doesn't matter. Because the worst possible thing that can happen is we all die. That's the worst thing in the world that can happen to this chunk of flesh that I got. Now, I'm saying chunk. JR's going to say, if I say, you know, all of this, JR's going to think I'm bragging on myself. 
Because how many people in here, if they'd known they were going to be as old as what they were, they'd taken a whole lot better care of themselves. I never expected to see 40, to be honest with you. JR never expected to see 70. Oh, sorry, 60, brother. <laughs> His is going to come a lot faster than what you had, I promise you. Guys, all you need, should I even say it? I said it a thousand times. Hey, you got it on a T-shirt. People look at me like I'm crazy when I'm wearing it because it doesn't say anything about God anywhere on it. All you have to do is stop being what you were never intended to be. You were never intended to live in sin. You were never intended to be in pain. You were never intended to have cancer. You were never intended to have diabetes. You were never intended to have to go out and sow the land to get crops. You were intended to walk every day and talk to God. So if we start doing that, if we start doing that, what could the world do? What if the church prayed? I mean prayed, not sent up a wish list. What if the church prayed? What if the church prayed and Planned Parenthood went out of business? What if the church prayed and the porn industry went out of business? What if the church prayed and nobody ever stole a little kid again? What if the church prayed and a woman never had to sell her body again? What if the church prayed and tumors fell out of people's body right out in the middle of the street? What if the church prayed and every cancer ward in the world emptied in one day? What if the church prayed and every child and every human being on this earth had a meal today? What if the church prayed and nobody was homeless? What if the church prayed and preachers actually started getting behind the pulpit and telling people what God's Word says, not what their opinion of what God's Word says? What if preachers stopped trying to please you and start trying to please God? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not here to make you enjoy. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to patronize you. There ain't a coffee stand out there. There ain't a library out there. There ain't a T-shirt shop out there. There may be a couple of patches back there that you can pick up, but if you ain't got the money for those, we'll give them to you. You understand what I'm saying? What if the church actually started praying and the Word of God still stayed solid like the Word of God was meant to be? What if the church didn't have to change its way of thinking to to make up with the times? That was actually said on the news. The church in America today is so far behind the times that it's out of touch with the way people need to live. Praise God. I thought when my dad said you need to be old-fashioned, I thought he meant like 1950s. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about like B.C. He was talking about like 2 A.D., That's old-fashioned. Stop letting your flesh ruin your life. Stop letting your lust ruin your life. Stop letting your wants and your needs and your gotta-haves ruin your life. Because let me tell you something. What you gotta have is relationship with God. What you gotta have is to be washed in the blood of Jesus. 
What you gotta have is a dedicated prayer line. What you gotta have is a little bit of faith in the fact that God is still on his throne and is still here and we ain't never kicked him out of nowhere. Everybody says schools are having shootings in them nowadays because we kick God out of school. Let me tell you something, there wouldn't be a school building standing today if God wasn't still in school. The problem is, is we just let evil roam the earth without being consequences. What if we pray? What if we pray? And that kid that's out there that's about to take his own life because he's heartbroken actually got a word from somebody. What if we prayed and that teenager about to go shoot up his school, laid down his gun because he got a word from somebody? But see, here's the thing. The world don't want you loving on people, but they couldn't stop us, so they made a virus that says you can't get within six feet of somebody. And y'all look real spread out. Can y'all hear me in the back? The three of y'all in the back? believe in addiction. I don't believe in alcoholism. I believe in afflictions and I believe in demonic possessions and I believe God can kick every one of them out of you that quick. Here's the kicker if you want them young. I can't help you unless you help yourself, boy. I can't. I can't cure you of addiction. I can't get you off alcohol. I can't get you off the streets. I can't control your temper. I can't make you stop cussing. I can't make you stop. When you run your own life out of the room, you're doing a pretty good job of preaching. I can't make you stop drinking. I can't make you stop acting a fool. I can't make you stop fighting in the bars. I can't make you stop doing this. But what I can do is take you by the hand and walk you down a street and lead you into a building where God lives and God can do all of that once you really want to stop doing all that. So I'm going to ask you a question tonight because I'm going to run out of time. How many in here want that relationship with God? How many in here want to stop living in their flesh? How many in here want to be God's child? If you do, can you put your hand in the air for me? I don't want to count you. I just want to recognize that something I said might have gotten through to somebody. And please, if you haven't accepted Christ into your life, and you don't have a walk and a prayer life, and you want to change that, why don't you put your hand in there so we can do something about it. If you've got that broken relationship, if you've got that broken down marriage, and you're suffering, and you don't want to suffer no more, because trust me, if God can make me love you, he can make anybody love anybody. Because I couldn't even write the word love. And then he puts you guys in my life. And he showed me what love is all about. I didn't think I had a heart. That lady that took my blood to go do blood work the other day said, man, your blood is dark. I said, that's because my heart used to be black. I said, it's lightening up a little bit. If you want that feeling, if you want that first love, 
If you want that walk with Christ, put your hand in the air for me tonight so we can pray with you. So you'll know what it is the next time you come to church. You'll know what it is that I'm talking about. Y'all bow your heads. Want everybody closing their eyes, nobody looking around. I'm not interested in what your neighbor's doing. I'm interested in what's going through your heart right now. If you got problems with somebody here on earth, I want you to fix it because when Jesus comes back, you can't fix it in heaven. Believe it or not, brothers and sisters, there ain't no drama in heaven. Father God, we come to you right now. We ask you to heal us, Father. Heal us not only as individuals, Father. Heal us as a church. Heal us as a group. Heal us as a town, a county, a state, and a country, Father. And let your word be spread across this world, Father. Father, let your light shine in the darkness. Let those who are discouraged be encouraged, Father. Let those who are disappointed know that the grace of you will bring them through anything, Father. Father, let it remind us that nothing one man does or one man says can change the world. But Jesus got his people together, and they created a new way of thinking and a new group of followers. Father, it baffles me that 12 men with your son could change the world, but the church has millions and we're failing. Father, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.